Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our final episode in this creativity series. This month has featured women who share with us the ways that they both contribute and foster creativity in this world in a variety of formats, and I have loved each amplified conversation. Today's guest is one that I have long wanted to share with you, and I'm excited to do so in this particular series. Tisha is an innovative district tech integration specialist, speaker, and author from Southern Oregon. She has taught family and consumer science for 25 years and has served in various leadership roles in her school and district. Tisha is the author of the book, Make Learning Magical, which unlocks seven keys to transform teaching and create unforgettable experiences in the classroom. She speaks nationally on a variety of topics related to teaching and learning in all content and grade levels, and family and consumer science is her specialty. In this episode, we learn how Tisha's flame for uh, teaching was reignited after she took a risk to infuse more technology into her classroom, and how from there she began to passionately influence others to reignite their own passion for creativity. Tisha also shares her experiences overcoming fear in order to be able to share her message more widely. She is full of joy and inspiration, and I am honored to amplify for you Tisha Richmond's creativity story. Welcome, Tisha Richmond, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so thrilled to have this conversation with you today, and it is a long time coming, lady. I am so excited to chat with you today. It is. You know there might be some who, just for whatever reason, have not been yeah. exposed to the amazing, magical Tisha Richmond. So can you just give us a little bit of a current context? Like, yeah. where are you and what are you up to in this beautiful world? Yes. Yeah, so I am from Medford, Oregon, which is at the very bottom of the state. And currently, I am a tech integration specialist. I have also, most of my career, I was a culinary arts teacher. So this tech integration specialist gig is is new to me. I'm one and a half years in and I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, just getting to support teachers K through 12 in integrating technology into their classroom, but most importantly, sparking joy, bringing joy into teaching and learning and trying to help them create unforgettable experiences for their students. I love joy. Everybody who listens to this podcast know that. So, okay. (laughs) Can we just step back? How long were you a culinary arts teacher? So I, so 25 years I have been, there was a a five-year break where I was full-time mom, but I have been in the business of education for 25 years, 13 of those years in the current district that I, that I'm in. And I love, I love teaching culinary arts. You need to tell us the exact coordinates of the fountain (laughs) of youth, because clearly you found that. I don't know how it's possible that you've been in education for 25 (laughs) years when you literally look like you're 25. Yeah. It has you so wired because I saw that I was like, is that accurate? That's crazy. Oh, I don't know. I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm seeing lots of gray these days. So doing that. So I love culinary arts. Um, my sister-in-law is actually an incredible culinary arts teacher here in Wisconsin. So that's really fun to have that connection. And I think it just aligns. Oh, well, yeah. And I think it aligns so nicely when I think about um, this idea of creativity and the different mediums that you can be creative. And, and I definitely want to talk about your tech integration. And I absolutely want to talk about the content of your Make Learning Magical book. But would you just venture down that path with me in terms of creativity and culinary arts? 
Yes. Oh my goodness. There is so much opportunity for creativity and culinary arts, but you know, I don't think it was up until around 2014 when I really started bringing creativity in, in a whole new way. And I've shared this story. I shared in my book and I've, I've shared it. Um, I shared often when I speak that I was really at the stage in 2014 where I was kind of done. I was really burnt out. I was frustrated. And, um, that year, coincidentally was the year that I brought iPads into my classroom. It was a, it was this (laughs) Carl Perkins grant that all the culinary teachers received. And so these iPads came into my class and I thought, Oh my goodness, I have no idea what to do with these devices. No one else in my school or really district. I mean, there might've been a couple pockets, but not many people had devices in their classroom. And so it kind of just, it kind of rocked my world a little bit. I was like, what in the world? Like, what do I do? And so I had the opportunity to go to a conference, my first ed tech conference ever. I mean, up to that point, I was going to, you know, culinary trainings where baking workshops, like everything was very much, you know, food related. And I went into, I went to this conference and the first one that I went to was iPad Palooza in Austin. And I was just blown away. I thought, wow, there are all of these amazing things that are happening right now in education with technology. Like this is, this is crazy. And it really sparked some joy back into my teaching again, because I found something that I hadn't discovered. I would be, I had been living in this little silo in my local area and I didn't know that these things existed. And so when I came back from that conference, I really started to get connected on Twitter. I really started to research ways that I could use these iPads and, and I found some awesome ways to integrate them. And my students were making, you know, iMovie videos. They were smashing apps together to demonstrate their learning through these tools. But I think it was more than that. Um, What happened is I really started to shift the way that I taught my class. I met Michael Matera that same year, author of Explore Like a Pirate, at a conference that I went to after iPad Palooza. And I started to explore this idea of gamification and layering story and game mechanics over my curriculum. And it really, it was, it was like a a pedagogy shift. Like it shifted the way that I taught my class. And what I discovered was that up to that point, like my students were creating, they were creating every day, they would be making recipes, but I never really allowed them. I don't even know if allows allowed is the right word. I hadn't empowered them to make it their own. They were making, you know, they were making biscuits and they would show me their biscuit. They would be making, you know, whatever it was, they would show it to me exactly like the recipe said to make it, but I wasn't empowering them to bring their own creativity into those dishes. And so that was really the launching point for me to realize, wow, like I'm, I'm holding these students back. They have so much, um, they're so creative. They have so many things that they, they can do to, to 
you know, I can tap into their curiosity. I can give them opportunities to really shine and to make these dishes their own. And so through gamifying, adding that storyline, bringing in these game mechanics and really hooking them on learning, I started to create experiences where they had the opportunity to shine. I would have classroom challenges where I would bring in an authentic audience of judges. And I really did that at the end of every single unit. We would have a challenge where I would send out an email to staff, to people at our district office, sometimes local chefs and food truck owners. They would come in and my students would, they would show demonstrate their learning to this authentic panel and they would get this real relevant feedback and to see the expressions on students faces when they presented their dishes to this audience of judges was absolutely it was just it was just heartwarming like i sometimes would just stand back and tear up like wow these kids <laughs> are blowing my mind and i would have never even thought to create the way that they're creating. And an example of, of a challenge that I might give, you know, we had in one of my classes for culinary two, we had units that were very, um, you know, food categories. So like pies and pastries, soups and sauces. And one of my units was pies and pastries. And in that unit for the end of the unit challenge, I would tell students, you are going to make a pie crust, but you're not going to just make a pie crust. You are going to make a pie crust without the recipe. You, you'll get the formula, but you're not going to get the directions. And not only are you not going to get the directions, you are going to take that pie crust and you're going to make it into something that blows our minds. You are going to make it something, you know, special that, that your group, you know, creates together. And it was absolutely amazing to see each group because I had eight kitchen groups in my classroom each group create this masterpiece that was so unique I mean I would have groups make turnovers with frosting that looked like a snow-capped mountain and a scene in the background I had a group that made um, cut out the pastry in squares and made like a schmore with toasted marshmallow and chocolate ganache and spices, you know, sprinkled over the marshmallow and then different dipping sauces to dip the schmores into. I mean, all I asked them to do was to make a pie crust without the recipe and, and blow my mind. And they absolutely did every single time. And it's powerful when we can tap into that creativity and give students that chance to really be able to take the skills that they're learning and really to make them their own. Just so many of the cool applications to this in the classroom, but then the examples that they could see of that. And I always, you know, I think about that, how you said that you empower them. And I think about, you know, those of us, <clears throat> somebody on this line that has a hard time doing things without a recipe <laughs> and, you know, why that is, mm -hmm. um, you know, why that developed over time and why we're not willing to take risks when, but then I watch my daughters, they love um, a couple of the cooking shows on Netflix, like nailed it. And um, some of mm -hmm. these kind of fun creativity shows and, and they've been inspired even even at their young ages to just create. And we've had little bake-offs when they have friends over and stuff like that, even though I'm not interested in cooking or baking, I'm just going to be honest with you, but, 
I think mm-hmm. there's an innate desire right? <laughs> for creativity inside of us. And I just think it's so cool that here you are serving in this, Absolutely. you know, other medium. You don't have to, we have so many different ways in schools to tap into the creativity and the empowerment of innovation and creative thinking with our students. And I just think it's so super cool and vulnerable mm-hmm. that you're sharing. Like it was not until 2014 that you started engaging this way in really authentic ways. So it's really cool. I love your examples that you gave too. It's been a crazy and an exciting journey. And I think what happened, you know, that that burnout teacher of 2014, the more that I started to innovate in my classroom and give these students opportunities to create, the more it sparked joy in me. And, you know, now I'm more passionate about teaching and learning than I've ever been, but it took, it took a lot of Mm. risk, right? Like I, I had to, I had to disrupt I had to disrupt what was happening in my classroom. Like I was a dialed in teacher in 2014. Like I was, I was a pretty good teacher. (laughs) Like I had been teaching for a while. I had a rhythm down. I had a workflow down. Like I was dialed in. And so to bring these new ideas in, I had to shake things up in a big way. And it was hard. And I felt, I often would tell my husband when they come home, I feel like a new teacher again. Like this is really hard. I feel insecure in what I'm doing because this is not, I am not in the groove right now. And, um, and, you know, there was a ton of fails, there's a ton of things that didn't work out. But I saw a shift in how my students were learning. I saw my students uh, not just be engaged, because they were engaged, you know, my students liked cooking, they liked coming to my class, but they went from engaged Mm. to immersed to empowered. And that was the shift that happened. And when you start seeing that shift happen, there's no going back. You just think, wow, like this is making such a difference in how my students are learning. Like I have to continue to innovate and to really uh, create more opportunities for them to be empowered learners and, and it's contagious, you know, once that starts happening and you see the joy in learning in your students, you, you just, oh, it, it sparks more joy. <laughs> and it's, it's been, it's been, it was really an exciting thing to be a part of. And you know, what's really neat now is I, I'm now in the same district, but as a tech integration specialist. So I'm serving all 19 of our schools and supporting them in integrating tech and and really more than just tech, like really trying to help them innovate and and think of ways that they can really bring joy into teaching and learning and and really create those unforgettable experiences. But uh, for a long time, it was really hard for me to go back into my classroom. I mean, a long time, I mean, like a year and a half, because that's how long I've been out of the classroom. But I would go into my classroom and I would get teared up. And because I poured so much of my heart and soul into the program and into teaching, and I loved it so much. And I didn't leave the classroom because I didn't love it anymore. I left the classroom because I felt like I could amplify my impact in a new way and to be able to help support teachers that that really want, maybe are burnout, but really want to bring joy into teaching and learning. They just don't know how. And so I, I wanted to be able to help teachers do that. And, and I'm so glad that I made the switch, but it was hard. It was hard to make that transition. And it was just this week 
that I walked into my old classroom and I hadn't been in there in probably a couple months. And the teacher that took over my program is amazing. She's straight from industry. She's owned her own bakery. She's been an executive chef, has so much skill, and she's such a kid connector. I couldn't have handpicked a better person to step in. Uh, But when I walked into that classroom, I saw incredible learning. I mean, I saw kids that were so excited and were creating amazing dishes. And you could tell she had found her groove. And these kids were loving her class and they were learning and they were creating. And it just made my heart so happy to see that. And as I was thinking about it afterwards and talking with her afterwards, I told her, you know, you found your own magic. Like we all have our own magic and my magic is not going to be the same as your magic. I knew that when she stepped into the culinary classroom as the new culinary teacher, her teaching was going to look different than mine. I could help and I could support her and I could give her ideas, but she had, she needed to find her own way. And it was so amazing to see that she had found her own way. She was creating her own magic. And I really try to share that with the teachers that I support in this role is that you, everybody has their own unique gifts and talents and ways of connecting with kids that are all their own. And uh, I love getting to help teachers find that. And to find their own, you know, find that own, their own magic, find, find their joy, discover really their why and, and why they love doing what they do. When you think about that kind of like pain point in 2014, where you're like, get me out of here. So you're able, I really believe that mm-hmm. like our, our challenges and our struggles right. really, if we embrace them, we grow through them. They're meant to, you know, really fire forge us. And if we can, I think about like, I've been reading a lot about and hearing and uh, taking in this idea of, you know, the vine and pruning. And I think about you had to prune the good. You, you were in a space Mm -hmm. where you rejuvenated and you're finding total joy Mm -hmm. in your work and loving it. And suddenly it's like, you got to cut off that really good fruit to be able to produce even more. And just thinking about, you know, the, the book and, and what you have as an impact for those around you is, amazing though that I understand that challenging Mm. piece of leaving something you love. So, and your, um, your opportunity Mm -hmm. also became, you know, someone else's who replaced you. So it's just really kind of a beautiful story from like that 30,000 viewpoint. I was popping around your website earlier and just looking at your acronym, um, that making learning Mm -hmm. magical. And so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. So readers can kind of hear what that Mm -hmm. would be. Should they, as well, they should pick up a copy of your book. Oh, absolutely. So make learning magical really is it's my story. It's, it's starts as that teacher, you know, that was burnt out and how my teaching was transformed and how I was able to create unforgettable experiences in my classroom. And the acronym comes from the different components that I reflected on really made that shift for me. So magical is not, it's, it's, yes, we want to bring magic into our classroom, but it is an acronym that stands for more than that. And the M stands for meaningful beginnings. That 
crucial part of getting to connect with our students from day one and really not only connecting with them, but creating those beginnings that are meaningful and draw our kids in and make them want to to be in our classes. A is for authenticity and agency. How can we bring our true self into our teaching and help our students to be their authentic selves too and to be able to give them agency, giving them choice in how they demonstrate their learning. G is for gamified experiences. Gamified experiences are a huge part uh, of my classroom and it really transformed the way that I taught, really finding ways to create immersive and empowering learning experiences for students and get them really excited about the content. I is for innovation. My journey started by taking leaps and stepping out of my comfort zone to push past the status quo. And it was uncomfortable, but it was necessary. And one leap led to another leap, led to another leap. And that was where, you know, the transformation really happened. If I wouldn't have taken those leaps, I would not have made the changes that I would have needed to, to transform my classroom. C is for creativity, curiosity, and collaboration. When I really thought about the experiences in my classroom, it really it really centered on those three things. How can we pique our students' curiosity and get them excited about what they're learning? How can we provide opportunities for them to create? How can we provide students opportunities to collaborate. My classroom was highly collaborative. It's a culinary and we have kitchens and students work in teams. That's just the way my classroom operated. But it shifted in that my students became team members that truly valued each other and saw what each team member brought to the group and they knew that if they missed a day their team would miss them because they had these unique qualities that they they brought to the class a is for authentic audience at the end of every single unit of study that i had and i taught different levels of culinary and so i had different gamified uh storylines going on, but every single unit, I would invite in an authentic audience for students to shine, for them to be able to demonstrate their learning from that unit and have an opportunity to demonstrate in a way that was creative. And so just like my example of the pie and pastry unit, um, they would do that every single end of the unit. And in my culinary three class, we would have a food we had one semester was a food truck race and the second semester was amazing race. And so same thing, I would invite in an authentic audience and students would create a dish, you know, from a region of the US. If it was the amazing race, it was a, a part of the world. And then they would demonstrate what they learned about that region by creating, you know, an iMovie or a um, you know infographics. I mean, they could, they could create anything that they wanted as long as they demonstrated their learning of, of that content and created a dish. So that was really, really powerful. And then Ella's legacy. And we have an incredible opportunity every day to impact students' lives. And we are all leaving a legacy and we 
want our students to leave our classes and to leave a legacy on this world as well. And so how are we going to do that? How are we going to empower our students to to leave our classrooms and continue to learn and and find and chase their own dreams and passions and really make a difference in this world as well. And so that is what magical stands for. And, and again, I came with that acronym. I came up with that acronym because I really spent time reflecting on Mm-hmm. How did I get here? You know, how did I, I go from being this teacher who was ready to leave, like literally was thinking about being a barista, like just because I sounded so much like yes. so much fun to make lattes and kind of a, a little bit of a, a coffee connoisseur. And how did I go from that teacher that was that was thinking of leaving education to a teacher who is on fire for education and excited. And it really was a combination of all of those things that, that created that classroom dynamic and really reinvigorated Mm -hmm. me as an educator. That is amazing. It's magical, really. (laughs) I love that acronym. Uh, You know, it's so good. And I bet it's just just like, it's instructive for people. And it's just such a good, really important reminder. I think about all those different components to really the good work of educators. So thank you for putting that out in the world. Uh, Writing a a book is not an easy Mm -hmm. task. And I don't think until you've done it, you understand the complexities that go into that. So, um, you know, thank you for rising up and being willing. It's awesome. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to Dave and Shelley for giving me a chance to write my story, share my story, because it was not something that I ever anticipated doing. But I, I wanted to be able to, to give back. So many educators have influenced my journey. And when I think about that, I think, wow, like I... I want to be able to share my story to help inspire and and help other educators too. And so to have that opportunity is something that I will forever be grateful for. Um, it, it was so hard. I mean, <laughs> writing a book is no joke, <laughs> but I am, I am so, uh, I still kind of have to pinch myself to be honest, but I'm so grateful. Going through back through this series of creativity, just the amount that you've shared here that has nothing to do with what most of us might go ahead and align creativity with, you know, like for me anyway, I've not always thought of myself as a creative until you start to really think about the things that you do, um, you know, on a regular basis creating. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking about, you know, your book and the speaking engagements that you have where you are working with, um, I see of keynotes and workshops. In addition to now this new role that you're in with a tech integration specialist, um, tying in all of the great work that you were doing to kind of mm-hmm. boost up all that awesome foundation of teaching that you had, but then kind of bringing it to this next level that I love how you said it felt like you were a first year teacher again, because I swear I never ever felt like I was anything other than that. And I think <laughs> a huge part of that um, for me anyway, was that I just never wanted to stop doing better. Um, 
and you know, I kind of cringe thinking about the things that I did that were cringe worthy in the classroom, but it's just such a good message. I think for us all to hear that, you know, it's not, it was not always like that. You've got this really great and powerful message, but you had to learn to create and to grow and to innovate. And it also takes a lot of vulnerability to do that. And so I appreciate that we've hit that point. One more that I wanted to make sure the listeners hear is that you started a podcast, which is a whole creativity from start to finish. Um, I don't know if people think about what goes into the creation of a podcast episode. So do you just want to share a little bit about like what got you started in terms of why you want to do a podcast and kind of what your mission is in that, what you hope to accomplish with it? You know, it was funny because Adam Welcome, he is an amazing author, speaker. He was in our area last summer. I think it was August. I can't remember exactly the month. It might have actually been September. And he... I was at, he was speaking at a local district and I was able to just grab a coffee with him before his speaking engagement, before I had to go to work and we were talking and it just came up. I don't even know how the conversation came up exactly, but he said, you know, he mentioned podcasts and I thought, Oh, like, Oh, I don't know. I, I love listening to podcasts. I don't know if I could do my own, but I really started to think about you know, it would, it would be amazing to have conversations with other educators and to be able to share other people's stories. And it just happened. It was about a week or two later. I was heading up to Portland with my husband to see my daughter. My daughter is a college student at Portland state and it's about five hours North of us. And I was on that car ride. And I remember I looked at I had jotted a couple things down that Adam had talked about. And one of the things was he mentioned the anchor app. And so I thought, Oh, you know, my husband was driving. And so I, I thought, you know, I'm just going to download this anchor app. And I did. And I started looking at it and I asked my husband, I said, do you want to record a podcast right now? <laughs> and so he, he's like, Oh, I, I sure. <laughs> and I literally had my, my first podcast episode. If you, if listeners out there want to listen to my very first podcast episode, you will hear <laughs> trucks zooming by. Um, it's like the audio is terrible. It's not very long, but I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I better just jump in. Like, let's do it. And that's kind of the way I operate is it's almost, it prevents me from chickening out. <laughs> like I have, I have to just do it. Cause I figure if I just do it, yeah. then I can't talk myself out of it. And so I did. And I think we did maybe two or three more episodes on the way up and the way back. And that is really what launched me into podcasting. And I am still totally a rookie. Like I'm learning as I go. You shared some tips for me before we <laughs> even started this podcast tonight that I'm going to take and, and try to refine my practice. But I am loving it so much. I love getting to chat with amazing people and giving them an opportunity to share their stories because we truly are better together and we need to share what we do. That's awesome. 
And so thank you for doing that because mm-hmm. I think the one of the things we also talked about ahead of this podcast is I'm in awe of the amount of content that you create and put out there, knowing that you also have a very, very full-time job. And so um, I just appreciate that service that you do for others. So thank you for doing that. And also just um, to know that I, I think that the creativity, Aww. like it, it can really light us up and it gets exciting, but it can also be challenging, you know, to keep it consistent and going. And, and I know that, you know, deep right. thinking actually takes work. And I think um, time, you know, uh, time is of the essence, right? And and so some yes. of that research, I'll quote Neil Gupta's working um, on his one word is flow. And so he shared with me, you know, remember the 80-20 rule, Sarah, work for 80 minutes, walk away for 20, because I find myself as in this entrepreneurial yeah. space, I could sit at that computer and create for four hours straight, but it's just burning me out. So um, there's just that healthy balance there. And I just wonder, my goodness, you know, like it takes all this time to create something, you know, new and special and unique in this world. And that's hard to do in our fast paced world. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you find that too. Is that accurate? <laughs> it is. Oh my goodness. It takes so much time. And thank you so much for your kind words. That means a lot. So, okay, Miss Tisha Richmond, we've got to get to my standard questions because I just know that you've got something here that's gold for us. I, you know, we've only really dipped our toes in in regard to your story because so much of it is current, but my listeners and I really love to hear kind of a little bit more about you in these two questions. So the first one is if you were able to write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? I think that I would say, to my former self that I need to just embrace all that I am and all that I was created to be and and not try to wish that I was more, you know, or more of this, less of that. Like I, to fully embrace who I am because I was created exactly how I was meant to be and to just be to be happy with that and to be more fully myself because I spent too many years trying to, I don't know, not necessarily trying to be other people, but spending too much time being frustrated with my quirks, you know, or, or feeling like, oh, if I was only this way, or if I was only that way, but Mm -hmm. I still struggle with that at times, right? Like sometimes I can be on social media, or I can be just surrounded by people in my workplace and go, wow, like that person's amazing. Like, I wish I could be more like that, or I wish I wasn't so this. And so I still fall into that. I don't think that I've ever you know, I think I still sink back into that way of thinking at times and get insecure. But I spent too many years, I'm not just being happy with who I was. And it really sapped my joy. Yeah, that's really great. Um, (laughs) And I think that there's so many of us that can relate to that, you know, if we're especially willing to kind of pull the veil back Mm -hmm. and realize and also knowing that, um, where you and I are part of an edge podcaster group, but I don't know if you heard that whole thread, but this is, so it's interesting, right? It's like imposter syndrome and it's also, you know, FOMO, it's comparing mm-hmm. ourselves as social media does that to all of us. Oh my goodness, and so yeah. it transcends gender mm-hmm. and, and station mm-hmm. and life. And so it's just so good that you said that. I think the more we're willing to kind of talk about these things and have our small circle of accountability partners to remind us what's truly important. But I really have really been like reading mm-hmm. about this lately and, and it 
really hits content creators, I think, um, more than than anything because you're vulnerable mm-hmm. and you're putting yourself out there and you know is my stuff any good or whatever so thank you for sharing that it's a really good one i think that will land really well with people okay so how about this one mm-hmm. as an influential woman if you if others are listening and they're finding themselves in a pit of fear or doubt and they need to hear your words to help them rise up out of it what do you think you could say well you know what's interesting is that when i think back to 2014 you know that pivotal year for me There were two things that I was terrified of. One of them was flying in an airplane. And the second one was public speaking. And like, so fearful when I would get onto a plane. Let me just back up. I was so fearful that two weeks prior to getting on a a plane, I would have I would wake up with a stomach ache every single day. Like my stomach would be in knots just thinking about it. And I would have to medicate myself to sleep on the plane because I would just be like crawling out of my skin the entire flight. Didn't even matter if there was turbulence and public speaking. Like I couldn't even imagine speaking even in front of a small group of my staff members. It was super, super scary to me. And It's crazy now when I think about it, because here I am in 2020 flying on average once a month to venues Mm. to public speak. (laughs) Like how crazy is that, you know? And I think, I think that there's a number of, of factors in that, but I think a lot of it is, taking those leaps and continuing to step out of my comfort zone and to really want to share my story. Like my desire to share my story surpasses my fear of flying and public speaking, because I know that to do that, to share my story, I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to public speak and I am going to, I don't have to, but it's one way and I'm going to have to get on an airplane. And it, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like one day I got on an airplane and I wasn't scared anymore. And I will tell you that there are times when I get on an airplane and if there is heavy turbulence, I am gripping that armrest with for dear life. Like I am super scared um, at, at times, at moments of the flight. But I, it took me getting on to taking a leap and getting onto a plane over and over and over again to finally kind of conquer, mm-hmm. conquer that fear. And, um, and the same thing with public speaking, you know, the first couple times I did it, I was super nervous and, and I still have, you know, the jitters before I get up in public speak. But when I get up there and I'm able to just start sharing my story, that fear goes away. And, uh, but it, it, it was that deliberate stepping out of my comfort zone, pushing past what felt, you know, safe and, and just doing it. And so I would say, you know, start taking leaps, step out of your comfort zone. It doesn't have to be those, the big things, you know, like start, I started by speaking for, for small groups in my staff, you know, at my high school, in my district. And then, you know, that led, I was able to speak at a, 
a com a local conference and you know that led to another thing and so you know each leap gives you the courage mm-hmm. to take a slightly bigger leap and when you knock back that um you know, that fear barrier, <laughs> how much you can rise up and really inspire others through that. And I just, I love that, that those are two major fears for you, yet you are engaging in them on a regular basis. So that's super inspirational. Thank you very much for that. All right, Tisha. So I would like to make sure that our listeners are able to get a hold of you. I know that, of course, I will link everything. Um, but would you have a recommendation for your favorite platform for individuals to reach out to you? Yes, they can definitely find me at Tish Rich. I am on Twitter at Tish Rich um, every day. So please find me there. You can also find me on Instagram at Tish Richmond. And I also have a handle make learning magical. You can find me on tisharichmond.com. I have a website where I share resources. I have blog posts and you can find other information there as well. Well, listeners, of course, I will make sure to link that as well as your podcast and your website and how to get a hold of you. And I'm just so grateful that you took some time, especially um, to connect this weekend with me so that we could get this episode launched and so that you could share this incredibly awe-inspiring message on creativity and bravery. Tisha, (laughs) thank you so much. It was such an honor. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.